Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Leo Alstrom. I'm the worship arts pastor here at Rolling Hills. In our current series, Advance, we've been diving into different aspects of health, and today is a financial health. Money is a topic that our world tends to talk pretty often about, whether you're a Christ follower or not. It affects our lifestyles, our status at times, and some days our stress levels. God created us to use money and resources for His glory. So let's gain some new insight in financial health today and see how we can conform to God's plan for money versus the world's. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills. It's so good to be together today. Welcome, everybody, here at our Franklin campus. Welcome, everybody, who's joining us online. It's so good to be together and to worship our great God. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Advance. And what we're endeavoring to do as we begin this new year in 2022, that we want to advance spiritually, that we want to grow to be more like Jesus, and we want to have stronger, deeper relationship with God and stronger, deeper relationship with others. We want to invest in the things that matter and so in our series, we've been looking at these different areas of our lives and how can we advance? We talked, first of all, how do we advance physically, right? The Bible talks about that. What we do with our bodies is important. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so making this year to say, hey, how do I need to get shape, you know, physically or what do I need to do? Eating right and staying healthy. I want to be able to, you know, be there to serve the Lord. I want to be there with my kids or my grandkids or whatever God has in the future. Then we looked the second week about relationships. How do I advance relationally? How can I grow deeper in God's word? How can I grow in my relationship with God this year and taking a daily step and spending time with him in prayer? And then relationships with others. How can I grow in my marriage or in my future marriage or as a parent or grandparent? And I want to do that well this year. And then last week, we talked about emotional health. How do we get healthy emotionally? And if you missed it, Pastor Mike Mentor, he did such a great job, and it was so good looking at Psalm 73 and how our emotions can go up and down depending on what's going on around us. But if we can find our hope in the Lord, then we can have joy and peace and purpose in him. And then today, we're gonna talk about what it means to advance financially. And then next week, we're gonna talk about mental health. How do we advance mentally? And that's gonna be a big week next week. And so I just encourage you to be here. And if you have kids, you know, it's so important to help our kids mentally, especially in this climate that we're in today. But financially, we wanna talk about that today. And here's my deal, right? I went to college, I majored in finance, my dad was a business, and so I just thought I was gonna be a Christian businessman. And that's why I, was, I just looked up to Christian businessmen in my church when I was growing up. And I thought, you know, I wanna be involved in church, I wanna give generously, I wanna go on mission trips. And then God had other plans, right? But I studied kind of from a macro area, and I was like looking at you know, world economies and how the impact of finances happens around the world. And then God called me into ministry. And so I go to seminary, and then in seminary, I start seeing the impact of money on a micro level and how it impacts so many families and it impacts everybody. And I just thought, wow, you know, God has a lot to say about this. 
And I noticed in churches, they didn't talk a lot about money, right? It kind of stayed away. And yet the Bible and Jesus talked about money a lot because he saw the impact on people's lives and the competition in our, in our hearts. And, and so I'm excited about today. And I believe God's gonna teach us today. But it's something for all of us. So if you're a high school student or a college student or a young adult here, I'm glad you're here. Because if you can learn these principles at this age, it will make a huge impact in your life. If you're a parent or you're a grandparent, or you're old, this is something that's important for everybody. And I'll just kind of show you what's happening in our climate, in our country. Let me just give you some stats. Here we go, look at this, number one. If you notice, in our country, 59% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Okay, so you're talking about almost two out of every three, right, you know, 66%, but you're looking pretty close, live paycheck to paycheck. So you can imagine the stress and the worry, right? I mean, what if something happens? What if, you know, a pandemic comes? What if something happens to my job? So, so there's a lot of worry and stress there. Look at this one. 33% of adults in America have saved zero for their retirement. So that's zero, right? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute now, you know, because retirement's gonna come at some point, right? We get older, so... That's important, and God has a lot to say about that even, our savings. Okay, look at this one. 67% of people in the U.S. would have a hard time paying a $1,000 emergency expense. 67%, right? And we don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, our car breaks down, or our water heater goes out, or something happens, you know, you're like, oh, what am I gonna do? And, and maybe you're in that boat, and you, you just think about that a lot, and it, it rolls around your mind. What, what would happen? What would happen? Look at this one. 38% of households in America have credit card debt, 38%. And maybe that's you, and here's the deal, how do we deal with that? Because credit card debt, the interest is usually like 16 to 20%, I mean, it's, it's a lot, right? It just keeps going up, and you're just like, how do I stop that, how do I manage that? And then look at this last one, 76% of millennials lack basic financial literacy, 76%, okay? And so millennials, 24 to 39, it's kind of that age group right there. So 20s and 30s, we got a lot of 20s and 30s in our church, right? This is 76%, and you're just kind of going, whoa, this is a big deal, right? How we handle this, and can we handle it differently being Christ followers? Like I said, God has a lot to say about it, and I want us all to be able to advance and to do this right and to do this well. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of First. Timothy, First Timothy, right? New Testament, it's back there in the T section. So kind of toward the back, you have 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, they put all the T's right there together, but you can find it back there. If you are online or you have a mobile device, you can go there to the Rolling Hills app or you can go to Uversion, we'll have the scripture there that you can see. But 1st Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, okay? And so Paul's coming out of prison, being his first imprisonment in Rome. He's writing to Timothy, who's his young protege in the faith. And Timothy's been going around to these different churches. So he's like pastoring because there's planting all these churches around, right? And so you think about the church in Ephesus, and he's, he's sending him there. He goes, Timothy, you go and disciple people. You go and help them grow. The church is growing. So this is written to believers, people in Christ, right? And Timothy's going, and it's kind of an instruction manual. You know, he talks about overseers and deacons in the church. And then he comes down to the end of his letter to Timothy. He's going around to these churches. And he says in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, 
who provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So he says, hey, command the rich people in the church, right? Now, what I love about church is church has all socioeconomic levels, right, in the church. There's no other place or no other club, no other organization that, that does that, right? You got country clubs and such rich people, you know, you got all these things. But, but what you see in the church is people, there, there were poor people back in the church. There's middle class, there's upper class. But he comes to the end and he says, hey, command the rich people. Don't be arrogant, okay? You know, some people are rich, they get arrogant, right? Here's the thing. If you're growing and maturing spiritually, you're growing in humility. You're growing in humility. Not in arrogance, not in pride. So he says, hey, don't, don't tell people I give you. Don't be arrogant or to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I mean, stock market goes up, stock market goes down, right? I mean, things change, right? He's even back then. He's like, things can change. But put your hope in God who provides everything for our enjoyment. He goes, think about this. God has given you everything you have. So you don't have to feel guilty if you're rich. You don't have to feel guilty if you've been blessed in that area. God wants you to provide, but he also wants you to do it right and do it well. And now maybe you're thinking, you're like, well, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm not rich, right? I mean, he's talking to rich people, right? There's mega rich people today, and that's not me. But, but I want you to think about this for a moment. We live in the wealthiest nation that has ever existed in history. I mean, like ever existed in history. And in fact, living in Williamson County, we live in the seventh wealthiest county out of 3,042 counties in the United States. We live in the seventh wealthiest county in the wealthiest nation that's ever existed in history. So whether you think it or not, you are rich. We are rich. And a lot of times we spend time comparing ourselves to people above us, but but you're in the top 97, 98% of people in the entire world on wealth. All of us are just by virtue of where we live. Now, I don't think we have to feel guilty about that, but what we have to do is go, wait a minute, I've got a stewardship responsibility here. I've got to manage this well. And a lot of times we look at the top 1% or 2% of people above us, and we don't look at the 96 or 97% of people behind us. But God's going, hey, listen, listen, listen. You are rich, and I'm blessing you, and I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have fun, and we say thank you, Lord. Every time we have a great blessing in our life, we give God the glory, and we thank him. But he says, manage it well. Look at verse 18. Command them, right? Talk to them. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. He's like, don't just think it's all about you, You've been blessed, but you've been blessed to be a blessing. You've been blessed to see needs and to meet needs and to serve others. And then verse 19, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's like, I want them to experience real life. I want them to have eternal life I want them to invest now in the life that is to come, but I want them to enjoy this kind of life without the worry and the fear and the stress that so happens often with money. I want them to do it right, and I want them to do it well. And that's why the Bible talks about this so much, and I believe God wants us to get this if we're to advance in 2022 and beyond. So if you're taking notes today, if you got a worship guide when you came in, I'd love for you to write some things down. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app and there's a place that you can fill in some blanks. But guys, I want us all to get this. 
I get passionate about this, right? I got three daughters. I'm always talking to them about this. I want you to learn how to manage it now, now, because it will impact you in the future. It impacts all of our relationships. All right, look at this. How you handle money is important to God. It's important to God, right? And, and, you know, and why churches don't talk about it more, but they just don't, they kind of shy away from it. But, but it is important. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what Jesus says. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break into steel, but rather store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break into steel. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So what's your treasure? What do you treasure in your life? What do you treasure above all else? All right. Here's the thing, Jesus talked about money almost more than any other topic. If you go back and study the Gospels, and I love reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? You see Jesus' teaching. Here's the things he talks about the most. Kingdom of God, right? So he talks about heaven, a lot of teachings on heaven. He talks about love, right? I mean, that's big, right? The love that we should have, the love that God has for us, the love we have for others. He talks about hell. We don't talk about that much, right? But Jesus talked about hell, and he talks about money. He talks about money a lot. In fact, about 11 of its 39 parables are all about money. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible dealing with money. It's something that Jesus knew was gonna be a challenge in our lives. Hey, it's not about how much money you make, but how you manage it. See, so often we think it's just more money is gonna solve all my problems, right? We put our faith in money. How many of us, we've kind of laid out what's gonna happen if we ever win the lottery? Right, we already got it mapped out. We're like, oh man, I, yeah, God, I'll give you some. Yeah, don't worry, right? There, you know, like uh, double tithe on the uh, lottery winnings, right? There you got, you know, but we got it laid out, right? We got the new house. We've already got the yacht in our mind. You know, we're, we, we kind of got this thing going on. And, and, and you know, you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. Hold on, am I putting my faith in money? Am I putting my faith in those things? Or am I putting my faith in God? And maybe, maybe if I learn how to manage what he's entrusted to me now, then all of a sudden I can start to manage more. And often we think, man, I just gotta get this raise. I just gotta get this promotion. I just gotta get this bonus. I just gotta get, hold on. What if I grew deeper in my love for God? What if I learned to manage what he's entrusted to me now? Let me start there. See, here's the thing. Jesus knew that money is the chief competitor for our heart. It's the chief competitor for our heart. Remember the Ten Commandments? Number one, no other gods before him. No other gods. And yet what happens, right, is money kind of creeps in and becomes that God. Because we, we worship, becomes what our, put our faith and our trust in, and it's gonna provide for us. One day Jesus was at the temple. This is an amazing story. It's recorded in two of the Gospels. Jesus is there, and, and everybody's coming in, and Jesus just sat down, and he started watching what people put in the offering basket. Yeah, that's a little intimidating, right? You're like, oh, okay. You know, but Jesus is there and he's watching. He's just watching people put in the offering basket, watching people put in the offering basket. And, and there's rich people coming in and putting money in. And then all of a sudden, there's this poor, widowed woman. And she comes by and she drops in two copper coins. You may have heard of it, the widow's mite, right? And, and Jesus sees this and he goes to the disciples, hey, hey, come here, check it out, check it out, check it out. Look at look, 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 look what she did. She put in more than everybody else. And they're like, she did not? You know, like, are you, are you good on math? I mean, like, no, no, no. She, he goes, oh yeah, she did. 
See, they put out of their wealth, right? They kind of gave a tip over there sometimes, but, but she put in everything she had to live on. She, she just trusted. She knew, man, her hope and her faith. And I think God calls us to you know, put everything we have. God's just calling us to trust him. God's calling us, hey, God, I wanna put you first. I wanna know you. I wanna hold on to you. Hey, look at that, chief competitor for our heart. All right, notice this. God always provides for his people. God always provides for his people. What's so radical when you get into the New Testament is Jesus teaches us to call God Father. And what does the Father do? Provides, protects, right? That's the job. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I mean, when you have a blessing in your life, when you have a vacation in your life, when something good happens in your life, when you have a great car, whatever, you just, thank you, God, thank you, God. You provided that. Money can cause stress in our life. Now, I didn't have to write that down. You, you kind of know that, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is, right? Money causes stress. In fact, in America today, the number two cause of divorce is problems over money. Number one is problems over faith. Interesting, right? So if you're a young adult here, you know, marry somebody, be equally yoked, marry somebody who's looking and loving Jesus. I mean, make good decisions on who you date right there. But the number two is problems over money. And I bet you every one of us in here who are married, right, every one of us have had those discussions, right, or disagreements or whatever you wanna call about a money situation. It happens, it causes stress in our life. Number three cause is sexual immorality. So keep your mind pure, man, keep your heart pure. Come on, come on. But, but this stress that can come from money. It, it, it's not just like you're married. I mean, it's a single adults, we're always worried about that, you know, and college students are worried about that. I mean, it, it causes the stress. But also, it causes stress even when you're older. And, and there's been people in our church who've had parents pass away and their parents didn't have a will. And then you watch fighting start to happen in families and you're just thinking, those parents never wanted that. That's not what they wanted, but, but, but they didn't do a will. They didn't do something to, to say this is where it's gonna go. And so this stress could come in our lives, but it doesn't have to. That's the thing. If we can manage it right, if we can do what God's called us to, then we can have healthy relationships and we don't let it cause that kind of stress. It doesn't have to in our lives. Now, there is a difference between a need and a want. See, if God's gonna provide for us, he's gonna meet all of our needs. But it doesn't mean he meets all of our wants, right? Like, well, God, I've been praying about a Maserati. I mean, where is he? Like, yeah, God, I'll settle for a Porsche. I don't, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, God's going, really? Okay, I'll take care of transportation. You got a Toyota, it's great. You know, but it's like, I mean, God provides, God provides. But we get off with these needs and wants in our lives. And if we were to come back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna trust God's gonna meet all my needs. I'm gonna trust him in this area of my life and distinguish in those things. We must learn to be content. And I think this is the biggest challenge for us, especially as Americans, right? We got media coming at us all the time. We have marketers are always coming at us, you know, and they thinking, oh, I gotta get this, I gotta get this, I gotta get this. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in want or in need, I, God is with me, he's enough for me. And if we can get to that point, and then manage what he's entrusted to us, it'll change everything. And then the stress can go away and we can be whole and happy in our lives and in our relationships. See, it's a matter of faith and obedience. It's a matter of faith and obedience. And really, that's what it comes down to. 
I remember 19 years ago when God called Lisa and I to, to plant Rolling Hills and, and it was an exciting time. We were living in Bellevue, you know, and I was working downtown Nashville and, and so we, you know, packed up, we were moving to Williamson County. We found an apartment that had a big clubhouse and we rented the apartment right next door so we could do a Bible study on Thursday nights and then have kids in our apartment. And, and, and I was so excited. And the first night we had 15 people and I thought that was great. And then somebody walked by and just kind of haphazardly kind of said, Jeff, how are you gonna support a family? And I just kind of thought, I don't know. And then it's got my mind, right? And then it's like, oh no. What if this doesn't work, right? What if nobody comes? What if if nothing happens? And all these questions, and I thought, am I being irresponsible? Do I need to go get a real job? You know, what what am I, you know? And I'm like praying like crazy, praying like crazy. And I remember coming to this moment with the Lord. And I was on my knees, I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't know. And God's like, do you trust me? Yeah, God, I trust you. He goes, it doesn't matter if it works or doesn't work. That's not the question. The question is, are you gonna follow me or are you gonna trust me? And remember my wife, Lisa, she had way more faith than I did. She's like, if this is what God's calling us to, I don't care, we're, we're following, we're trusting him. And I remember Lisa saying this. She goes, you know, later on in life, I don't wanna get 20 years down the road and look and go, what could God have done? She goes, I wanna get 20 years down the road and go, look at what God did. Look what God did. And I would just challenge all of us. There's, there's times in our lives when God's calling us to trust and to step, you know, and maybe it's a mission trip or maybe it's sponsoring somebody, maybe it's tithing, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, it's, it's adoption, maybe it's fostering, I don't, I don't know. And we always let money guide those decisions instead of going, hold on, God, if you're calling me to this, I'm gonna trust you. If you're calling me to this, God, I'm gonna hold on to you. I'm gonna be responsible, I'm gonna make good decisions, right? But, but I'm gonna trust you. That's what it comes down to. All right, look, you are a steward of what God has entrusted to you. You are a steward. Never forget that. We're not taking any of this stuff with us when we go to the next life, right? We're simply a steward. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. (laughs) Hey, live by the 10-10-80 principle. I'm passionate about this. And here's the great thing. If you're a student, you can learn this now, right? You're a high school student, college student. If you're a young adult, you can learn this now. But it doesn't matter any time in your life. And the great part, it doesn't matter what you make. This is just a great principle. It's a biblical principle. Here we go. First 10% you give. First 10%. It's what God teaches us in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, tithing the first 10%. And you go, God, that's a pretty good deal, right? I get 90%. I only give you back 10%. Everything comes from you anyway. I mean, that's a great deal. But we struggle with that, right? But it's 10% you give. Then the next 10% you save. The next 10% you save. You're just like, I gotta figure that out. I gotta, I gotta get some savings there, that emergency fund or whatever you wanna say, right? And then you live on 80%. Then you go, I'm gonna live below my means. You see, the problem in America, right, is we live on 110%, you know? That's why you have the credit card debt. That's why you have all these things that are spinning out of control. That's why you have so much worry and fear and stress. But if we can learn to live below our means, it just makes so much sense. And the great part is God establishes this. It doesn't matter how much you make, right? You make $100 a week, I'm gonna give $10, right? And I'm gonna save $10, I'm gonna live on 80. You make $100,000, right? I'm gonna give 10,000 to God, I'm gonna save 10,000, and I'm gonna live on 80,000. It's just a real incredible principle that God's going, you can win at this. 
You don't have to be a victim. You can be a victor in the middle of this. Just trust me, trust me. Be careful about debt. And guys, I just, I just gotta say that to us because like as Americans, we just, we just go after more and more and more and more stuff. But we have to be careful about debt. Here's what it says in Proverbs, right? The borrower is slave to the lender. And we don't think about that all the time. We're like, ah, oh, no big deal. It's just, you know, I'll just borrow, just borrow, just borrow. But it catches up after a while. And even back in the Old Testament, man, the people were doing this. And he's like, no, let me just tell you, here you go. It's gonna catch up. Be careful about debt. You got it? Start paying it down. Start figuring out a method there. Learn to be generous. Learn to be generous. You know, one of my favorite stories that Jesus teaches right, is the Good Samaritan. You remember the story? You got this guy traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 25 miles. You're going straight downhill, but mountainous, huge rocks. And Jesus says, this guy's going down there. He's going to Jericho. And all of a sudden, these robbers jump out and they beat him up. And they leave him on the side of the road. They take all of his stuff. They take off. And the people are like, yeah, we, we know that happens. That happens, right? Well, a priest is coming down, Jesus said. And, he, and instead of helping the guy, he just kind of walks around him. I don't know if the priest was late for a meeting or what, or the priest is like, I don't want to touch blood, you know, but, but he just walks around. Then a Levite comes by, and a Levite was, you know, a member at the, at the temple. He was serving there, you know, the volunteers on the court team. You know, you think, oh, he's going to help him out, and he's like, no, 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 and he goes around the guy, but Jesus goes to Samaritan. A Samaritan guy comes, and the Jews hated the Samaritans back then, a lot of tension, and they're like, oh, what? And the Samaritan comes, and they picks the guy up, puts him on his donkey, walks, takes this guy to an inn, Jesus says. He gives the innkeeper money and says, hey, take care of this guy until I come back. And if you have any extra expenses, I'll pay for it. I just want him to be okay. I want him to be okay. Jesus goes, which one was a neighbor to that guy? They're all like the Samaritan. He goes, yeah. He's like, go and do likewise. Now, here's the thing. We can't do that for everybody. We can't do everything. But we can all do something. And sometimes God prompts our hearts. I know there's people in our church and they, they keep a $20 bill or a $100 bill in their wallet and they just go, you know, there's sometimes that the Holy Spirit just says help. There's sometimes the Holy Spirit says this person's in need and, and I just go, that, it's yours, God. It's yours. How do I do that? But the thing about the Samaritan, think about this. He had saved money. <laughs> he had some cash. He had some opportunity to do that, to be generous. You know, we're gonna offer in just a couple of weeks a Financial Peace University. And I just wanna encourage you, if you've never done it, do it. Sign up. Sign up as a couple of sign up individually. Sign up and go through it. Dave Ramsey in our community does an amazing job of just helping us, you know, get out of debt, handle our finances well. It's amazing. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you haven't been through it in a long time. And then next week, we're going to offer a estate planning seminar. And we're just offering it to you free. The church is paying for it, but it's free for you if you don't have a will. And there's a lot of people who go, well, I need to get a will when I'm, you know, 70 or 80 years old. No, 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 no. Listen, if you have kids, you need a will, okay? Seriously. If you have assets, you need a will. You need to, you need to talk about that. And if you go meet with a lawyer, it's gonna be $1,500 Go do it, that's fine. But if you wanna do it, we're offering it for free. We just wanna help you. We wanna help everybody in our church to succeed in this area. So we've got a free lunch next week. We'll have a webinar at the end of the week. Uh, opportunity if you wanna do it online. But we wanna learn to be generous and we wanna do things right. I wanna tell you, it makes a difference in your life. I want you to hear from Danny and Kelly Clawson. They're leaders in our church. I want you to hear a little bit about what they've learned about this area as they've been walking with the Lord. Watch this. 
I'm uh, Danny Clawson, and this is my wife of 23 years, Kelly Clawson. And we have a daughter, 16, uh, Kenley Joe Clawson. So I'm a home builder. I've been in the home building industries for 31 years and uh, love it. Love being able to make dreams come true, and I'm very happy doing it. And I am very blessed that I get to be a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home wife. Love it. I'm very blessed that I get to do that. You know, tithing, it didn't, it didn't come easy by any means. Um, you know, when we married in 99, of course, um, we weren't involved in any church, so it just wasn't any part of uh, what we did. Paychecks come in every month, and paychecks went out every month. I mean, we kind of lived uh, by the seat of our britches, and um, what money we made, we spent it. So there was definitely no margin within uh, our bank account for, for tithing, but not having that discipline of tithing, it was a struggle back then. It was about four years into uh, us going to church, at one point we made we kind of said, we, we can't afford to tithe. And we kind of looked at each other and was like, we can't afford not to tithe. Exactly. You know, we've got we've to make a decision here. When we made the decision to start, <laughs> to start tithing, uh, we sat down and really we went through bank account, I remember bank statement after bank statement after bank statement, and looking at really where we put our money. And a big thing for us too was putting that budget, putting giving, putting church at the top of that top of that list. It was a, a whole mind shift for us of saying if we're going to do this and we want it to be the first, the first of our fruit, and it, it needs to come out of the first of the month. So we had to completely change kind of how we thought thought through things. I think it was honestly the best decision we could have made uh, for our whole life of just putting God first, and not just finances, but everything. Well, I think too, when you do start giving and you give with a joyous heart, you get more blessings that way. Whether it's, you know, you're, you're able to give more, you're able to help other people, it's just you're giving out of a cheerful heart and that's a blessing in itself right there. Bottom line is we've got to grow God's kingdom and it takes all of us to do it. You feel the Holy Spirit talking to you, you know, if this is where you need to go. And uh, once you take that step and you put God first and you show that that, that discipline there, uh, you can't outgive God. He's going he's gonna to take care of you. God first, right? And you trust Him in that. And finances, but in all areas of your life, God will provide. God will provide. Hey, look, advance financially in 2022. You know, maybe this is something you just kind of keep kicking down the road and you're like, I'll deal with this later and I'll get a budget later. I'll figure it out later. No, 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 no. This year, deal with it, you know, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life, that we don't have to live stressed out and worried that, that we can deal with this in a good way, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Hey, invest in what matters. Invest in what matters. And I think that's so important for us to, to get because we invest in the things in this world that aren't gonna last. Jesus told a parable, he told this parable about this owner, this master, he went on a trip. And so he called his servants together and to one servant, he gave five talents or some translations say bag of gold, right? Money, you know, your talents, your resources. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm entrusting this to you. And to another one, he gave two and to another one, one. And then he went on his trip and the guy with five immediately went to work. I love how it says that. Immediately went to work and he put it to work. 
and he gained five more, right? He invested in it wisely, he gained five more. And the guy with two, he gained two more. And the guy with one, he was afraid. And so he took and he buried it in the ground and he was so afraid. He's like, I don't know, I don't wanna lose it, right? And so he just, he just buries it. Well, the master comes back, Jesus says, and he calls them all and they have to give an account. Like, we'll have to give an account one day, right, of everything that's been entrusted to us. And, and he comes up to the guy with five and the guy goes, well, you gave me five and I, I put it to work. I, I've got 10 now and I'm gonna give that back to you. He's like, wow, great job, you know? And the guy with two, he's like, hey, I had two, but now I got four, here you go. And he's like, well done. And I love what he says here. He goes, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with little, now I'll give you more. You've been faithful with little. You know, in heaven, there's gonna be jobs to do. There's gonna be things that we do, right? And what we do here matters. But the guy with one comes up and he's like, hey, I, I know I have this one, but, but I was afraid. And so I just buried it. And Jesus is like, oh, what? And the master goes, you wicked, lazy servant. Come on, trust Trust, come on, you've got so much. Invest in what matters and learn to be rich. Learn to be rich, we are rich. And it's okay, don't feel guilty over that, but let us use it right, let us use it well. And guys, this isn't something I want from you, this is something I want for you. God's gonna take care of all of us, but man, I want for us to have that kind of freedom in Christ, to learn this and always put God first in your finances. Put God first there. You can win here. You can make a difference here. Trust him. Jesus was teaching one day, and the Bible tells us, and it's recorded in three gospels. This rich, young ruler comes running up to Jesus. Okay, and he falls on his knees, and he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you're thinking, okay, here's this guy that the world would say he has everything. He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he's probably a CEO, he had a company, he had a business. And yet, he's on his knees going, that doesn't all satisfy. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus goes, well, you know the whole story. Keep the commandments, right? He's like, I've kept them all. And just like, yeah. And then he looks at him, and he's, he sees what's really going on in his heart. And Jesus looked at this guy, and he says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And I love how it says in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. He's like, I love you, man, come on, come on. But he saw the grip that it had on his heart. And you're thinking, there's this moment right there, man, come on, you can do it, trust God, follow. But it says the guy got up and he walked away sad because he had great wealth. <laughs> he walked away sad. Now, I'm not saying today that God's calling you to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But, if he did, could you? I'm not saying he is, right? We all kind of go, oh, 10%, that's great. That's, I'll take that, right? Yeah, but, but here's the thing, here's the thing. He's calling all of us to follow. And there's this moment for this rich young ruler where he missed it. And I just feel so bad for this guy, right? Because he could have been so instrumental in the early church. We know about people like Matthew, who was wealthy. He left it all, he was a tax collector, and he followed Jesus, and man, I mean, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, he got to see God do miracles. He got to see lives change. Paul, he was wealthy, he was Saul before. There were a lot of wealthy people in there who just said, I'm gonna follow God, I'm gonna trust God, I'm gonna grow my relationship with God. And I think about this rich young ruler, we don't even know his name. 
He could have been a Matthew or a Peter or a Mary. He could have gotten it and been a part. He could have opened his house in that community group there. He could have had people over. He could have been furthering God's kingdom. He could have been having this joy in his life. But the sad part is he died in his wealth and that was it. And it was over. And he missed it. And I just pray for all of us, man, let's don't miss it. God has blessed us. He's blessed us beyond our wildest imagination. Many times our biggest decision is what restaurant are we going to eat at? Because we have more food than we can imagine. God's given us so much. We don't have to feel guilty. We can be gracious. We can be thankful. But let's join together and let's make a difference for the glory of God. You just think about this. We live right here in one of the most influential places in the world. In Williamson County, we have resources. We have opportunities. And it's not just for us. It's for us to be a blessing. And I'm so thankful for you, church. You are so generous. And I think about when God called us to go to Moldova, one of the poorest, smallest countries in the former Soviet Union. And to think, man, we go, we've got, we don't have that much money. We don't have that much to offer. We're just a little church. And everybody joining together and everybody giving, everybody praying. And now today, over a thousand kids being sponsored in a place where 60% of girls trafficked in prostitution in Eastern Europe came out of this country of four million. And we said, no. We can make a difference. We can join together. We can be generous. We can pray. We can give. We can go. The thing about the Amazon, 80% of the people in the Amazon have never heard the gospel. What if we could finish the task? What if we as a church right here could say, let's make a difference in our world today for the glory of God. This is our time. And this is our opportunity. Will we trust? Will we follow? Will we give it all for the glory of God? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life or in your world. Maybe today is a day of salvation. I mean, if you're honest, your, your treasure's been in this world. You've been living for the things of this world. And, and today you just go, I want to live for the things of God. Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. I wanna follow you. Maybe for you, there's been a lot of stress over money, a lot of worry, a lot of fear. Today, you just go, God, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna trust. Maybe in your marriage, there's tension. Would you pray for your spouse? Would you say, let's make a commitment together. Let's do financial peace. Let's, let's figure out how to handle this. God, here we are. And Father God, we want to follow you. You are the one who brings joy. You are the one who brings hope. You are the one who brings life. And God, you've entrusted us with so much. Let us be faithful. Let us be good stewards. Let us say in our lives, only Jesus. We're going to follow. We're going to trust only Jesus for me. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.